This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. A lot of us, I think, just walk in our sense of namedness, whether that's good and holy and beautiful from God, or it's just deeply painful and the enemy Mm -hmm. has gotten a foothold because of it. And what we see in scripture is that we have a God, I mean, especially in the Old Testament, we have a God who is constantly speaking new names over his children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, I mean, you think about like Hosea and Gomer's kids who were first named unloved, not my people, unplanted, like these terrible names. But then later God renames them as my loved one, planted in the land of, again, mm. my children. Have you ever been called a name? Maybe it still pricks to remember a nickname or a rude name that someone called you in your childhood. What would it look like to actually move past some of those shameful or hard names that you've experienced in your life to experience not only God's seeing and knowing of you, but also what does it look like to actually claim the name of Jesus? In this conversation with Aubrey Sampson, we talk about all of this. You'll want to listen in to how her hustle habit even affects her laundry routine. Here's my conversation with Aubrey. Welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In each conversation, you'll get to hear my guests' wisdom, their laundry routine, and for this season, also their hustle habit. Let's find holy together. Friends, it's really fun to have one of my friends back on the podcast, Aubrey Sampson. She is the author of her, well, her most recent release is called Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. So thank you so much, Aubrey, for joining us on the Finding Holy Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Ashley. It's so fun to be back. I love being with you because I just feel like we're sitting here as friends, having coffee, chatting about life and writing and mothering and all of that stuff. So thanks. Thanks for letting me come again. Oh, of course, of course. And I actually do have my coffee here. So Mm. Woohoo. All right. I just took a sip right when I said that. <laughs> so it's our coffee date and everyone That's else right. is welcome to listen in. So your new book known, you talk about names and how names are important. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that looks like in your own life and how you've seen that in the story of scripture. What is yeah. the import of naming? Mm, such a, such a powerful question. You know, I, let me, let me come at it from a couple different angles if I can. One, I would say that we we tend to, just as human beings, 
name ourselves or allow others to speak names over us. And sometimes those are wonderful, beautiful. Like you've, you've, you know, not in all situations, but ideally you've been named meaningfully by healthy parents who love you. And there's Mm -hmm. a sense of belonging that comes with that. There's a sense of um, rootedness and purpose that comes with that. Now, some people have devastating name stories. A friend of mine was left on a doorstep as a baby with no name. She was given a number instead of a name at, Mm. at the orphanage where she was. Like, so we have painful name stories as well. And then we also have painful name stories because someone has spoken something over us or, or branded us with a label, a nickname that was really, really hurtful. I've got Mm -hmm. a, a good friend that I actually write about in the, um, Mm -hmm in the book known who's who grew up being called piggy p-i-g-g-y and not in a cute flattering way but in like a hateful mean way Mm -hmm. uh piggy was on her birthday cake growing up and that was a deep pain point for her so a lot of us i think just walk in our sense of namedness whether that's good and holy and beautiful from god or it's just deeply painful and the enemy Mm -hmm. has gotten a foothold because of it and what we see in scripture is that we have a god especially in the old testament we have a god who is constantly speaking new names over his children Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then i mean you think about like hosea and gomer's kids who were first named unloved not my people unplanted like these terrible names But then later God renames them as my loved one planted in the land of, again, Mm -hmm. my children. And then what's beautiful is in the New Testament, Paul and Peter pick up those names and say that those names are true about us. We were people who once had no mercy, but now we have mercy. Once we were not a people, now we are a people. And so throughout scripture, and then I think anecdotally throughout our entire lives, we see the the importance, the power of our sacred namedness and that God is speaking good, beautiful, redemptive names over his children. Mm -hmm. And that seems really conceptual a little bit, but I I do think it's something we live with every single day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved that bit about how Paul and Peter had reused those, those words. I hadn't really made that connection with the, Mm -hmm. um, the stories in Hosea. And I think that's so beautiful to see not only how names are communal and like families or people yeah. groups, but also like communal for the people of God throughout centuries. Yes. Isn't that really, cool? It is so about? cool. It mm-hmm. is so cool. As we think about these ideas of, of naming, how do we get those good names, you know, that you are beautiful, mm. that you are made in God's image, like into yeah. us, like, how do we make that transition between yes. shame around our name and oh, really like living yeah. into the name that God says we're his beloved child. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I realize that's like a, a lifetime work. Yeah. But. <laughs> yes. It is a long work of the Holy spirit. That's what I was going to say, but I can share obviously some examples in my own life and, and that are in the book as well. I think one, we, we do need to know from scripture, like what are the names that God speaks over mm-hmm. us? Of mm-hmm. course, some of the ones you just said, beloved son, daughter, clothed in righteousness, um, you know, like kingdom purposed, you know, things like that. Um, so I think just knowing the names from scripture and I say that from scripture because we need, you know, we live in this society right now that I think is constantly trying to name us like brands are trying to commodify us. We feel pressure. I mean, Ashley, I know you and I have talked about this as writers to sort of like brand your own calling and professionalize your ministry and like make a name for yourself. Like there's some real pressure in our society for that. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we live in this 
we live in this culture, especially in the American West, telling us to make a name for ourselves. I think it is so important mm-hmm. to step back from that pressure and find who God says we are. Like, let's yeah. go back to the truth of scripture because that doesn't change, right? Yeah. This, oh, and this other good. pressure, oh, it just leads to like hustle and competitiveness. And then you feel bad about yourself. And, and then it becomes about our name and not about the name of Jesus. Yeah. And that's, it's so distorted. Like the enemy just takes what could be beautiful, like our yeah. calling and our mission and the enemy just twists it. Yeah. So all that to say, we need to know who God says we are through his word in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think secondly, we can do, and I know this is something you're passionate about, Ashley, which is why I appreciate you and your writing spiritual practices around our namedness. And mm-hmm you know, there's, there's one example, if, if you don't mind, can I tell, it's kind yes, of a long please. story, but okay, go for it. When I was growing up, I did not know the Lord until I was a little bit older and I'm not very old, but like a 12 or 13 is when mm-hmm. I first came to know Jesus, even heard the gospel for the first time. And following that I experienced sexual assault at the age 13. And then at, again, at age 17. And so for a long time, I wanted to know that God was with me before I knew him because I felt like if I could know that God was there, even before I realized he was there, then that means he was there even in those really dark traumatic things Mm -hmm. that happened as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but that's just what my soul was longing for. Mm -hmm. Just sort of like, God, were you there in my childhood? Were you there all along? Of course I know that by faith. I know that because of what I know about scripture, but I wanted to encounter that. Like I wanted to know God was there. So I began to do some spiritual practice work with my spiritual director, a woman that I met with for about four and a half years around childhood stuff. Like God, where were you in my childhood? And, mm-hmm. um, it specifically God, do you have a name for me in my childhood? And mm-hmm. one of the stories that I tell in known it's from chapter it's two, so it's good. Known. It's good. Oh, do you know it's, it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I always don't really want to tell the story because I want people to read the story, but I'm yeah. going to tell the story because yeah. it's such a good one. My first memory growing up, and I don't even know if it's a memory or if it's just like embedded in me because my parents tell the story again and again and again and again, right, and again. Right. but I was a year and a half, two years old, and my parents took us camping in the Seattle area because we used to live there. And um, while we were camping, uh, my parents said I kept slipping out of my sleeping bag and they thought I was like being a naughty two-year-old or something. Yeah. And they began to realize that I couldn't stay in my sleeping bag because the ground was shaking and the ground was shaking because we were camping at Mount St. Helens and it was starting to erupt. Gosh, so we, I mean, insane. my dad says that like, you know, sirens went off and we right. got out of there. As fa- we were fine. Yeah. But of course, Washington right. wasn't. I mean, right. Washington's yeah. ecology and the economy was destroyed. Like, it was terrible for a really long time. So that's my first, that's like our yeah. family legend. Yes. We were there when Mount St. <laughs> Helens erupted. Okay. So I am with my spiritual director spending a lot of COVID actually praying, God, will you show me that you were there in my childhood? God, can you just like speak something over me to remind me? So I'm with my spiritual director and we're we have done this exercise and I, I began to see through uh, this spiritual practice that the Lord was there in a number of ways that I write about in the book, but here's <laughs> the killer part. So we're ending, it's our last session together with my spiritual director. And because it's COVID, we're meeting over zoom instead of in her office yeah. and we end our time together. And she says, Aubrey, um, there is something that I want to show you. And it is a name that I believe God has for you. And she does not, she knows I've been working through childhood stuff. She does not know I'm praying specifically for a name. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So she puts up on the screen a picture of this flower. It's white with a yellow center. It's called an avalanche lily. And she starts to say, you know, uh, this is the type of flower that only grows in dead places. It's a beauty from ashes symbol, you know, and I'm like, yes, I get the metaphor. This is really, really powerful. But then she goes, but Aubrey, here's the crazy part. The Holy Spirit put on my mind to show you a very specific avalanche lily from a very specific part of the country. She pulls up another avalanche lily picture on the screen. And there's a um, like a subtitle it's from a newspaper. There's a subtitle at the bottom and it says life comes back to Mount St. Helens. And it was, she says, um, this is an avalanche lily that only grows from volcanic ash. And this one is from Mount St. Helens. And I said, hold on, did you want to show me that? Cause you liked that one. Or did you say God said to tell, she said, no, I know it sounds weird, but God said, show Aubrey the picture of the avalanche lily from Mount St. Helens. And I start bawling and she doesn't yeah. even know the impact of what she's just done. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. This isn't even about the metaphor of beauty from ashes. This is God telling me that he was there in my very earliest childhood memory, mm-hmm. like the ethos of my family. God is saying, I was there. I saw you. I knew you. I was calling you. I, mm. And that, so of course, then I feel like my special little name from God is Avalanche mm-hmm. Lily, but it, that blew my mind mm-hmm. that God reached back to like my very first memory and named me from a place, not of doing, not of achieving, not of hustling, but of being like just who I am and who I was as a little girl that brought so much healing and so much power into mm. my life. And I think that's what I'm talking about. The power of naming, like sometimes not sometimes God gives people very specific names in a moment like that, that heal you. Sometimes he doesn't, I don't understand the mystery of that, but that's the Holy spirit's ministry. But what we see no matter what throughout scripture is that God is speaking like these beautiful redemptive names over his children. So your question was, how do you do it? I yeah. think practicing the spiritual practice of just being with God, asking for a name, being with a spiritual director or a friend, like doing that work in community. Lord, do you have a name for me? Show me and, and have it meet like the deepest places of my soul. Mm -hmm. I think God will show up with a name from scripture or someone will speak it over you, or there'll, there'll be something that you just realize that's my name. Um, or you'll see something in scripture that stands out and you'll be like, that's the name that God has for me. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I want to say this maybe as a caution, what I don't want to do is get people stuck on like searching for some secret name that they right. don't know yeah. about. Cause yeah. God is Great. not a withholding yeah. God, you know, ultimately it's the name of Jesus that covers us. Right. And so even if there's not some like special moment like that, you are named in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so his name is the name that covers us, defines us, redeems us, gives us our true identity. And so we can walk in his name no matter what. Yeah. That's a great caveat. Thank you. <laughs> Cause you know, kids yeah. are going to be like, wait, I haven't had that experience. Yeah, no, I haven't had yeah. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really, really wise. Are you worn out by hurry and hustle? And yet you don't know what it looks like to find a better way. Well, Jasmine Holmes called my book, a spacious life balm for a weary soul. Tish Harrison Warren called it a needed tonic, and Jen Pollock-Michelle talks about it as rescuing us from the siren call of self-help. 
Join these women as they have experienced both their own limits and seen how my book, A Spacious Life, helps all of us to embrace the goodness of our God-given limits. Find out more at aspacious.life. That's aspacious.life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What has been, I would love to know too, your last book was on lament and we, we talked about the louder song and it was, yeah, it's such a great book. How does known kind of proceed from, you know, your journey through lament? Yeah. Um, what is that kind of connection for you? Yeah. Um, so like you said, the louder song is a book on lament and that was really born from a season of just deep, deep grief in my life. I lost a a cousin that was like a brother to me in a really tragic way. He was snowshoe hiking in Crater Lake National Park, Oregon, and he stepped out on a snow cornice and plummeted to his death. And it's been, I mean, that was 2015. So it's been six, almost seven years and park rangers still haven't found his body. So, you know, not just that he died, but the way he died is just yeah. something you just, yeah. And then I was really, really, really debilitatingly sick in that season. Our youngest son had to have spinal cord surgery. So that was just a dark season of the soul. Like, Lord, am I praying to the ceiling fan? Like, are you, (laughs) uh, what, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and the beauty I think of lament is that it becomes the really becomes the practice and the language that like keeps you tethered to God when you really aren't sure God is even real, you know, for sure. So I feel like that book was born out of a lot of heartache and just like, I will choose faith no matter what, because if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, almost like Jacob wrestling with the angel, like, God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I just waited for God to show up. And that book was born out of that really Mm -hmm. hard season. I would say known as almost like, okay, that was 2015. It's been six years later. It's not like all that pain and heartache is wrapped up in this beautiful package. In fact, in 2020, the whole world went through a season of lament. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right, like, right, yeah. So it's not like you graduate from right. like one right. thing. I've done like, that. Yeah, and- right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, now it's like, oh, wait, every the whole world is falling apart. And so it's funny to say like, there are always books. This book is a book about hope. It's really about it's really for like the weary, wounded, worried reader. And yet, interestingly, it's coming from, I'm writing it in the middle of a pandemic. 
reflecting back on six, like six years later on my pain and suffering and God has shown up Mm. and my faith, I feel like is deeper than it ever has. The intimacy of the father with me has been more real than before. And so it's strange to say in a pandemic, I wrote a really, really hopeful book Yeah, born out of really, really like my own suffering and the world's suffering. Mm. But I would say it, so it, it doesn't, it doesn't build on it. Like it's a trilogy, like here's the next book, but (laughs) it definitely, but it definitely is like, there's some perspective I have now on pain and suffering Mm. that I didn't have six years ago. Mm. And I see, I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I want to write about that, Mm. you know, Mm. what is that? Yeah. What does that hard one hope look like? Yeah. You know, I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday. I think for a number of years, and I think Ashley, you'll get this as a church planter. We tend to be really, really focused on like the kingdom of God now, right? The kingdom of God in our neighborhoods, the kingdom of God breaking through the already and the not yet. Like we get focused on like where we're seeing the kingdom of God now. And we're, we're partnering with God to advance the kingdom. And we're like seeing all these amazing things the Lord is doing. But I think somewhere in me, I have forgotten over the years to have like the hope of an eternal perspective mm-hmm. that all of this, of course, we do see the inbreaking kingdom of God. We also see a lot of pain and suffering and that it is our pain and suffering that the Lord is using to to make us more like Jesus. And that in itself is a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's our pain and suffering where God shows up, but it's also our pain and suffering that leads us to this eternal perspective, right? That even though we want to see God's kingdom here and now, it's not all about here and now. Yeah, it is about it is about the fact that God is on the throne. One day, all will be made new. One day, there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sickness. And I think that hard one hope is really a sense of clinging to God's promises. Rather than, you know, God, of course, is a lavish God, an open-handed God. He gives us blessings and benefits and goodness. But I think the difference between, the difference is loving God, not just for blessings, not just for benefits, but for God and God alone. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for the fact that one day we will get to meet with Jesus and see Jesus face to face, and that will satisfy our soul's longings. And we will see justice come and shalom come in full. And so I I guess that's what I think hard one hope it is. It's Mm. like more than just, even if I don't see God at work now, Mm -hmm. even if my pain, my cancer isn't cured, my suffering never goes away. This pandemic never goes away. I trust that God is who he says he is and is doing what he says he's going to do. And that's right. A better narrative. Mm -hmm. Does that answer? Does that answer that question? Yeah, no, I think that's good. I, I think you're right. And Often in our zeal, you know, our desire for change and systems and neighborhoods, like exactly like we can be so concerned about the present that we often, we can rush ahead. We can hustle and hurry, (laughs) which is part of the subtitle of my book too. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That we can, we, we don't, we don't trust God, right. To create that spacious life in Mm. us. We want to like, go get it now. Yeah. So what does it look like? I'd love to know your hustle habit. So listeners, if you're just, <laughs> yeah, if you're just tuning in, I have a really fun little quiz that's for you. It is so fun. I'm going to promote it with you. It's so fun. <laughs> um, it's on my website. You can get it at aspacious.life. And it's just a few questions that help you to realize where, when I'm like in places I'm unhealth, particularly, where do I go? 
what, what is my hustle habit? And you can also, when you go to my website, a spacious.life can also get a roadmap to help you get out of that habit. So, um, <laughs> so helpful. Ashley. Thank you for that. Yeah. So there are four different ways that we can tend to hustle past our limits. We can tend to ignore them. We can tend to blame other people or circumstances. We can tend to try to control them, or we can kind of fall into shame. And I will tell you, I've done all of these sorts of things, but you know, <laughs> totally <laughs> often if one doesn't work, you go to another one <laughs> instead of just like <laughs> repenting or living within your limits. So true. Oh, so it's, true. it's sad. Um, but Aubrey, what is your hustle habit? Yes, I took the quiz and I am an ignorer, which is so accurate. So I, and Ashley, you can maybe help me unpack it a little bit or yeah. fill it out a little bit, but I tend to one, like just ignore that I have limits. And so right. I go and I go and I achieve and I hustle and I do, you know, yeah. but then I hit a wall yeah. and I literally, oh, I hit the wall. Okay. I'm going to turn on Netflix and totally veg out and pretend like the, or I'm going to go on vacation, which right. vacations are awesome, but I'm going to go on vacation and pretend like the world outside doesn't exist because yeah. I'm done now. I'm done right. now. So I, that ignoring when I, when I got that on your quiz, I was like, yep, that's <laughs> uh, I don't like to admit I have limits yeah. or I like to escape from that. Yes. And I think that's what's interesting about the ignore is that you can tend to either over-function or under-function. And like you're <laughs> saying, totally you can do it. both, right? Depending yes. on, on the season. <laughs> so true. There's like no middle ground. Like yes. I'm going to, I'm going to strive and I'm going to achieve, or I'm just going to pretend like I'm in a fantasy land. Right. Right. Yeah. Just be like, <laughs> I don't have limits because I'm going to not even acknowledge them because I cannot work to get there. So I just pretend yep. that they're not there. Yeah. That's yeah. So what does accurate. it look like? And you do a lot, right? You're a mom to three, you're a wife, you are church planting and pastoring, you're writing lots of books. Mm-hmm. Like it would be super easy to live outside of your limits. Do you have any good like spiritual practices that help you stay within them? Or are you um, learning some? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I sure do wish I had a great answer for you. No, yeah. I um so I, I'm at a great season of life where my kids are all older and they go to school in the day. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if you're a mom with young kids at home listening to this, a dad with young kids at home listening to this do not feel bad about what I'm about to say. There were years when I did nothing except tend to my children. I could barely survive and breathe. So I, sometimes I want to put that in perspective because (laughs) I'm in a different stage of life now. So for instance, I can get up early before my kids now and have an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to read scripture, practice silence. I, I do this act of surrendering. Like I am silent before the Lord asking him to bring things to mind where maybe I am hustling, achieving, trying to earn my salvation, trying to earn my value. Lord, bring those things to mind. Show me something about you and about me that you want to redeem my misunderstanding of you, you know? And then I just have this spiritual practice where I like imagine I'm holding it in my hands and then I just surrender it to the father. Like here, you take care of this. I, Mm. and, um, I think in the past, I probably would have condemned or beat myself up for those things, but now I'm just like, no Lord, you know, you're Mm -hmm. God. I'm not here. Please take this and transform me. Mm. Um, and I would say, you know, being in the word is a part of my spiritual practice. And then, like I said, I mean, I spent four years with the spiritual director, really trying to find some ways to have habits around my faith um, especially in hard seasons, just to have some like handholds, but I would say kind of that active silence surrender mm-hmm. almost every morning is a massive part of my, 
my spiritual routine so that I am not hustling. And, and listen, I know this may sound cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. The mornings that I get up and the first thing I do is open my computer and start working. My whole day is that, you know? And so I do have to be very intentional to be like, I won't put, turn on my phone right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to open my computer right now. This is my Jesus time. And I'm Mm -hmm. sitting in my Jesus chair with my Bible and my journal and my silence and my quiet, because I have got, I mean, I have my frail human soul will just go to work. Like way too easily if I don't stop and and surrender almost every morning, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that puts like, you know, to bring it back to your book about naming it, like it helps remember what your name, your, what your true name is instead of like workaholic. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) Yeah. It helps. I think for me and, and Ashley, I think you can probably relate to this. Like so often I feel like I'm, I'm striving for approval. And I think having that spiritual practice, quiet silence time in the morning, surrender yeah. time in the morning helps me live from approval. Yeah. Yeah. And I right. think that's the key for so many of us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I write in a spacious life about rest. Um, and a lot of people have had lots of great yeah. Like, Oh, I lo- like, I love that chapter. Um, probably because we're so yeah. desperate, you know, for rest, but what is so beautiful, totally. right. Is that you know, in the Hebrew scriptures, like rest is the first word, right? Grace is the mm. first word. The day, mm. the day actually starts in the night where you're helpless, you're vulnerable, right. you can't do anything. You're not achieving. Like all you do is receive the care of God. Mm. Um, and I think that's so beautiful because often we, we kind of cycle between like intense production and then escape. And we don't actually live from rest and even yeah. your morning silence. And, you know, if you don't have an hour, but you could have five minutes, right? Totally. Like have two minutes of silence, read scripture and there you're good. Start your day. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and I think we just were fearful of it, but starting from grace, starting from, Mm. I am approved is hugely life altering. And it's really small things, small amounts of time, really. Yeah. It it really, it is funny that you say that because it's really paradigm shifting but it doesn't have to be, like you said, it could be five minutes in your car yeah. where you're not picking up your phone or listening to the radio. You're just being silent before the Lord, mm-hmm. asking him to fill you and give you rest. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, of course, sometimes I think it's nice to be able to graduate to like days yeah. of Sabbath or weekends yeah. of Sabbath. I'm not there yet. My Sabbath time is in the mornings, Yeah, you know, but I think having the grace for yourself too, to be like, the mm. Lord knows it's okay. He knows yeah. your season. He knows what you, you, what your limits are. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh, well, as we conclude, I always love asking everybody their laundry routine. Um, (laughs) I love that question. (laughs) It's very fun. Um, It's fun just to get right. Like who are these real people and not just people talking about ideas. Um, But also like we meet God in our real, in our real days, whether Mm. that's, you know, working in a corner office or doing our laundry. So what's your laundry routine look like, Aubrey? So I think I said this before when I was on talking about the louder song, and I wish I could tell you that it has changed and become more healthy, but my, (laughs) my laundry habit is I want all the laundry done all at once. And I want it done now. And I want to fold it and I want to put it away. <laughs> yeah. And so it'll be like, there'll be like a week where we have no laundry. And then all, I mean, this is actually this week. This is my laundry week. Yeah. I am doing all the laundry in the entire house. Yeah. I am folding it and I'm putting it away. Like yeah. I need it done right now. I understand and, that. Um, that must know, be, yeah. I do what that do you think with that chores. Is? I don't know. Maybe it's must be like a weird 
four wing three thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. Like, I, where it's like yeah. everything's chaotic and then all of a sudden it has to get done now. It has to yeah. get done. <laughs> I, it must be a way to control. I, I yeah. don't know. So I, I will say if I pace myself, I do sometimes enjoy saving the folding until I can like watch a good show on Netflix, maybe even drink a glass of wine, sit there and chat with my kids while I'm folding. Yeah. But generally speaking, I'm like, nope, get it out fold it, put it away. I don't want to see it. I don't like, it's really funny. I guess I'm yeah. ignoring laundry by like over-functioning doing yeah. laundry. So it yeah. has something to do with my, my habits. <laughs> there you go. How do you see your hustle habit in your laundry routine? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yep. <laughs> oh. Well, it's been so fun to have you friends. I hope you will pick up a copy of Aubrey's newest book, Known How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. And yeah, give her a follow on Instagram or Twitter, wherever you are. Um, but it's been so fun to talk. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Ashley. I love all you're doing. I love this podcast. I really appreciate your friend. Thank you. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aubrey Sampson. You can grab a copy of her book, Known, at the link in the show notes. She's also written Overcomer and The Louder Song. Those are linked as well in the show notes. As we consider what does a spacious life look like in season five, I want to encourage you to just take a second, click the link to take your hustle habit quiz. That quiz will help you know how do you tend to to bypass your limits. Maybe you're an ignorer just like Aubrey and go ahead and get that roadmap that will help you find some practical and tangible ways to move from that hustle habit. I'd also like to invite you into a pocket practice. When you go to aspacious.life, not only can you take that quiz and get that roadmap, you can also get your pocket practices when you've ordered a copy of A Spacious Life. Pocket practices are just small three by five cards. They're spiritual formation practices to help you get the spacious life in your body, in your routines, in your rhythms. And one thing that I talk about in A Spacious Life, I'm going to encourage you to do right now. Grab a rock if you have one around you. And if you don't, if you're in on a run or doing your dishwashing or folding your laundry, maybe just grip your hand like you're holding a rock and get one for next time. But hold on to it. Keep it in your pocket for a day or put it on your bedside table or by the kitchen sink so you'll be sure to see it. As you hold that rock or as you look at it, I want you right now to bring to God all the weights that are bringing you down. And maybe some of those weights are particular shameful names that you've carried with you for years about what you look like or your failures. Name those right now as you hold on to that rock or grip your hand closed. As you hold on to that rock or when you see it, offer that weight to God as a tangible prayer. In other words, ask him, like Aubrey was saying, to take it. He knows you, he loves you, he cares for you when you have the name of Jesus over you. And so in that moment, when you see that rock, give it to God as an act of surrender. I hope that that's helpful. I know for me, having some tangible things to hold on to when I pray is something that really helps root me in my body, and it helps me to actually see the burdens and to give them back to God. Friends, it is such a pleasure to be with you. I would be honored if you picked up a copy of A Spacious Life, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. 
So many friends have called it a literal breath of fresh air and balm for a weary soul. If you feel weary and worn out, especially after the last year and a half of the pandemic, and you're looking for some handholds to help you into this life of faith on the other side of so much loss and devastation and confusion, may I recommend A Spacious Life? I know it will meet you right where you need to be met because it's done that for me. Thank you for being here. We'd also love it if you wouldn't mind just leaving a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.